Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the Cyber Pro Podcast. Industry leaders share their insights. It's about five questions in nine minutes because hackers never sleep. Richard, I'm excited to have a conversation with you today. Let's start off with question number one. Who are you and what do you do? Well, first, thanks for having me on. Uh, so I'm, as you said, Rich Struess, uh, currently the CTO of Title Cyber. Um, people in cybersecurity probably best know me uh, from my days at DHS, uh, where I uh, led the creation of the Sticks and Taxi Cyber Threat Intelligence Sharing Standards, which basically meant I catalyzed a community of a bunch of smart people who got together to figure out how to solve, a, I think, a really important problem. Uh, since then, uh, after DHS, I went on to uh, work at MITRE for four and a half years, where I coined the term threat informed defense and uh, stood up MITRE's first privately funded research and development center, the Center for Threat Informed Defense. And since January, I've gone back to my roots as a serial entrepreneur uh, working at uh, Title. Pretty impressive pedigree and legacy. So we appreciate you being on our little podcast and we, we are excited to learn the rest of these questions and anything else we can get from you today. Let's jump into question number two. Why do you love being a cyber professional? Yeah, well, I think the, to my mind, the most important thing is, is that sense that you're doing something important. Um, and, uh, you know, cybersecurity is a hugely important part of, of society at this point. And so much depends upon having, you know, uh, robust cybersecurity. So when people get introduced to me and they say inevitably, well, what is it you do? And I say, well, I'm in cybersecurity. Uh, I'm always I'm always struck when people say, oh, that's 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 really important. Uh, so I, I, I think it's that sense of of working on something that really matters. It's amazing. We hear today that cybersecurity is a top concern. What do you think that means and why do you think that's important? Um, well, we spent the last couple of decades connecting everything to everything without really thinking it through. And now should we be surprised at you know the fact that people who maybe don't um, share our the best of intentions uh, are out there exploiting our love uh, for technology uh, for their own ends. So it, it really, to my mind, it, it's it's about uh, fixing so many of the things that, uh, in a perfect world, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have committed those sins in the first place. You know, a, a lot of the work I did in, in cybersecurity started off in the software assurance space. You know, how to how to actually build technology that isn't exploitable from the uh, you know from the beginning. Um, but it really has grown, you know, so much further. Uh, but it's really about, you know, getting technology back so we are, have enough control over it that we can employ it safely, even in critical areas. Cool. That's really neat. What other insight do you want to share that you think our network of cyber professionals would love to hear? Well, I don't know if people want to hear it. But what, what I'd say is uh, that the thing that's really animated me over the last uh, over the last few years is really this idea that you know if we don't understand uh, what adversaries are doing, if we don't understand their behaviors, their TTPs, their tactics, techniques, and procedures, um, we are we are going to be on the losing end of that of that uh, equation because 
the volume of you know pick pick on vulnerabilities for example exploitable or potentially exploitable vulnerabilities as you know you look at CVEs for example there are just more CVEs than each year than any one organization any one individual could reasonably hope to manage uh, their assets down to no exploitable vulnerabilities uh, and if they tried to do that they'd frankly be wasting a lot of time because in in many environments and maybe in most cases even the existence of those exploitable vulnerabilities isn't really important because they're not um, they're not truly exploitable. You know, they, they require a certain kind of network access, or they assume a, 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 an existence of a privilege escalation mechanism, which is not which is not available, or, or it's a, a platform issue. So there, there is. So if we don't leverage an understanding of what adversaries are actually doing, not what they might do, not you know what is in the realm of theoretically possible, which is important from a research standpoint, but most of us are not researchers. We're actually just trying to you know keep the ship afloat. Uh, it, if we if we don't understand the most likely ways that adversaries are going to try to leverage um, uh, their their own insights to achieve their objectives, we're always going to be chasing our tails. So, you know, what you know, and the work that MITRE has done, the foundational work that MITRE has done on the attack framework has been so important because it gives people a way of talking about what adversaries are doing. It gives them that language that says, hey, I think we're seeing, you know, technique uh, 1044 right now on our network. Oh, okay, well, let's do something about that. And it has meaning. You know, the other, the other thing I would say is if you look at, the attack framework is it's kind of a wake up call when you explain to people the vast majority of the 600 uh, uh, odd um, techniques and sub techniques in that matrix do not require an exploitable vulnerability the vast majority are things that adversaries once they've gained some initial foothold toehold uh in the environment they're now, you know, in many cases, living off the land, repurposing uh, your own resources um, for their own for their own purposes. You know, um, they they become that unauthorized remote uh, administrator, uh, and and so recognizing that, you know, so it's even if you had a completely patched, hundred percent patched environment, that's not enough. So we need a new approach. That's great. I'm going to end with a fun question for you, Rich. What's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile? Uh, you know, I've been thinking about this for days and I was like, I don't, you know, I want to say something like, oh, I drive a manual transmission or I listen <laughs> to vinyl or, you know, something that would make me actually sound cool. Um, and I, but I realized this, the, the only piece of retro technology that I, I really, that makes me smile are dry erase boards, um, and you know, recently uh, just started to uh, go back into the office occasionally, and there's a whiteboard there. There are markers, and all of a sudden, I like we're up there writing on the board, and that makes me smile because um, ultimately, you know, it's it's about people, you know, communicating with people, and it's still the best way of doing it, as far as I'm concerned. I love it, and it's not the same. 
using the Teams or Zoom whiteboard as it is just to get that marker and that smell. It's just, I love it. It's a great, great thought. <laughs> so, well, thank you, Rich, for being on the CyberPro podcast. Oh, thanks you for, thank you for having me. Thank you for watching the CyberPro podcast. Please like and subscribe. We'd love to have you following so you can get all the cool new updates.